We hear questions like these all the time. Can TSR injury law help me if I'm hit by a driver with no insurance? Yes. How about if not enough insurance? Yep. If you've been injured, it's TSR time. Call us today for a free consultation at 612-TSR-TIME. Wake up, put your shoes on, take a breath. Welcome back to Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast network. Uh, we're going to get into a lot of NFL issues. Gronk, uh, is he the greatest tight end of all time? And will he come back? Daniel Snyder, Roger Goodell, Deshaun Watson, Marion Barber, Syracuse. There are a lot of interesting and some sad stories to get around going on around the NFL. First thing today, though, let me kind of ask you an open-ended question, Jeff. Uh, we know who the stars are for the Vikings. We know who the most important players are, and it always starts with the quarterback. Who are some of the underrated, best, or most important, or key players on the roster right now? Well, that, that, that's really a, a fascinating question, and I think it's uh, an important question because a team has to have depth, as we know, to be able to rise to the top, overcome injuries that occur, and I think if you look at the offensive side of the ball, I, I wouldn't call Irv Smith Jr. an underrated player, but he hasn't necessarily had the breakout Pro Bowl type season that his talent perhaps indicates. And, and so I think when you talk about the Viking skill position people, obviously the focus is on Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook. But I think Ersmith Jr. is is a key key guy for this offense, for Kirk Cousins, for Kevin O'Connell, and I expect him to have a big year as long as that knee holds up, which it looked like it will. And I talked to him in minicamp, and he seemed uh, very optimistic and healthy about the season ahead. So I'll I'll go with Ersmith Jr. and I'll also obviously say the. Not that Garrett Bradbury's an under-the-radar guy. He's not because he's been kind of a lightning rod, and we talked about him in the past couple weeks. But just that center-right guard tandem that has been problematic for this team, that is really important that they come on. And whether it's Jesse Davis, whether it's Chris Reed, Ed Ingram, the second-round pick, Wyatt Davis last year's third-round pick, someone's got to emerge at right guard and batten down the hatches there because that's been a, a, a focal point for defenses to attack the Vikings offensive line. And then Bradbury has got to be better. We know that. So I think those are some of the keys on offense On defense. We know it's certainly critical that Daniil Hunter and Zadarius Smith stay healthy and that they're double digit sack guys. And I think that's the key to the defense being much better than it's been in the past and perhaps helping get the team to the playoffs. And I'll, I'll say a, a couple of other guys, maybe a little more under the radar, but really good players, potentially. Dalvin Tomlinson was a, a fairly big money signing last year. Didn't have a lot of splash plays. And, and moving to the 3-4, um, how will he play? How will Armand Watts, who had five sacks last year in limited play? I think he's a, a on-the-rise young player. And then Harrison Phillips, uh, the nose tackle. So really, all those defensive line guys 
are really going to be important because the the secondary is still a question mark to me and I, I really don't necessarily trust Cam Dantzler, Andrew Booth Jr., the second-round pick. He's, I guess you would call him an under-the-radar guy because they need him to step up and be that starting corner opposite Patrick Peterson. As I said, I, I'm just not sure that you can trust Cam Dantzler and and all, all that Ed Donatel, the defense coordinator, has to do is put on, put on the tape of that Detroit game last year when Dantzler's retreating into the end zone and gives up that winning touchdown. It's, man, that would just spook me if I was the uh, the defensive coordinator and think, wow, how how can we trust this guy in critical situations? And so hopefully they can coach him up. I think he's got talent. And and so maybe you say Cam Dancer, he might be an under-the-radar guy too because he's a guy that's got talent to be a really good player. Another guy, a free agent signing, Shandon Sullivan, to be the slot corner, replacing Mackenzie Alexander. So he's a little bit under the radar, too, when you look at who are the stars on defense, which are Hunter, Zadarius Smith, Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith. And and so a guy like Shannon Sullivan, a, re, a really important guy that's that slot corner. Yeah, and two, I think you covered it really well. I'm going to bring up two of the people that intrigue me the most of those you mentioned. Do want to remind people that our sponsors are White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time. Thanks to our producer, Brianne Burdett. Thank you for listening to TalkDork.com. If you like this show, you'll probably like the Viking Update show as well. We also have like four hockey shows. Uh, we have Cheryl Reeve, John Millay, John Krasinski. Great stuff from John Krasinski on the draft this week. And of course, it will be great again next week. Uh, we have tons of outdoor content and we have variety content. I just uh, recorded a, a, a an episode with Dave Lee uh, of WCCO fame. Uh, he's doing a series on uh, people's favorite first people's first concerts using that as an avenue to talk about some music and some culture. That was a blast. That'll be out here soon. Everything's at talkwork.com, but we recommend subscribing at your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's easy. You can also just follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod and see the shows as they are released. So two names that really intrigue me, uh, and I'll, I'll reframe it now that we've talked about them being kind of key under the radar people. How good could Irv Smith and Dalvin Tomlinson be? I think that Irv Smith you mentioned I think Irv Smith has Pro Bowl talent, and and I think that he just has that mix of athleticism and savvy, having played at Alabama, and he and we've seen uh, some some uh, glimpses of that great talent over the last couple of years. And last year he was hurt, so I think he ha- has great upside and, and can be a Pro Bowl tight end. Tomlinson, I think he's a good player. I don't know that he's a, an elite player, but I think he's a good player. And as, as I said, there were a lot of times last year when he really was not noticeable. And that that concerns me a little bit. But I think the guy's got talent, and obviously they they felt he was a really good player to give him a whatever $10, $11 million a year deal and, and then be willing to part with Michael Pierce after last season Pierce having injury problems. So in, in my mind, they kind of chose Tal- Tomlinson over Pierce. And and then knowing that, that Armand Watts is there to, to, 
to man the other defensive end in the three four and be and be kind of that big defensive end kind of a la jj watt that type of role so i think that thomason is a really good player potentially but i think the upside is bigger on irv smith jr it's interesting to see the vikings switching to three four just because the tradition of the vikings is based as much as anything in great front fours obviously purple people leaders but then you had there's so many great defensive linemen through the years. It was John Randall or Daniel Hunter or Chris Stolman. Which of the great Vikings defensive linemen would have fit best into a 3-4 scheme over the years? Oh, I think I think that Dolman could, could do anything yeah. uh, from the standpoint of being a bigger guy and a, a edge rusher. And he had, he had been a linebacker at Pitt. And so in my mind... And, and of course, John Randall could play anywhere. He, he's such a good player, but but usually they like bigger defensive ends and bigger nose tackles in in a three four. Um, Randall could could certainly have been an edge guy, um, but to me, Dolman would have been a, a great fit in a in a three four. Um, and I think also Keith Millard could have been that kind of outside defensive end in the three, four, not necessarily a nose tackle, but an outside guy like J.J. Like Watt because Millard was just such a great pass rusher and impact player. And so th- those are some of the guys. And if you're a great player, you can probably play in any scheme. <laughs> so that's right. the, the truth of the matter. Um, and then you, you look way back and, and you think about an Allen Page, certainly a Carl Eller, Jim Marshall, those guys – they also could play in any scheme because they're just such great athletes and impact pass rushers. So you, so you think about the history of the Vikings and, and those guys could have, could have played anywhere. Millard's a fascinating figure. Uh, you know, what a great player, uh, massive guy, massive arms, incredibly well conditioned, obviously uh, very, uh, and it seemed like an emotional guy. What was he like for you to deal with as a general man? Right. And then, you know, I mean, I think you were around him when you were in different guises, too. What was he like for you to deal with? <laughs> I would say it could be really fun, could be really volatile, mm-hmm. <laughs> could be kind of crazy at times, but, but had a great personality, loved the game. And to me, that's the thing I, I think about. I remember when we played the Bears in a preseason game in Sweden, and the bunch of the defensive linemen were out. And, and as, as the story goes, Millard and Dan Hampton, the Bears Hall of Fame defensive linemen, were comparing pass, pass rush moves in, in a bar somewhere in, <laughs> in Gothenburg, Sweden, if you can imagine that scene. <laughs> so, uh, but, but I think that Keith, Keith was a great player, big personality, and probably in a lot of ways, like a, like a Siragusa type, uh, ha- had fun playing. And his nickname was Mal, as in malcontent, as in <laughs> having, having some, some mal, mal intentions when he was on the football field. And so, and, and for me to deal with contract wise and so forth, he was fine. And his agent, Frank Bauer, uh, became a good friend of mine, really, really, a a well-respected agent today. He, he's still active in the business, represents Devontae Adams. So I think Frank did a nice job of also kind of keeping 
Keith a little bit in check, as did Paul Wigan and, and some of our defensive line coaches back in the day. And so, yeah, he was a he was a great player. Um, I, I just remember he and Studwell always all, all the banter going on between those guys. So it, it was a lot. They were a lot of fun to be around. And obviously, Ballard and Dolman had a certain rivalry. How much of a rivalry was it, and uh, did it sometimes go in the wrong direction? I think that was a little overrated. I think they both wanted to win. I think they both took great pride in, in the profession. There was a little bit of, of I, I, don't, I don't want to say jealousy necessarily, more competition. And I remember, I think, when when Keith was named Defensive Player of the Year and, and Dole had had a big year, and, and I think he was a little a little bit miffed by that. Not, so, not, not a Keith personally. I think it was more that he that he was not chosen for that, and but as it as it, it went around in the final analysis, of course, Dolman was the one that got in the Hall of Fame, and Millard has not, even though I think he was certainly perhaps worthy in that regard as as such an impact player, but maybe not over as long a period as Dolman, which is part of the criteria for the Hall of Fame. So so yeah, there was a there was a rivalry. A little bit, but but it was. I don't think it was a personal. I think it was more professional and competition. And they both wanted to get to the quarterback, but they also both wanted to win. And when we knocked off Joe Montana and the 49ers in the '87 playoffs, those guys were hugging in the locker room, and they were so happy. And and both had had a big part in that particular upset win over the top seeded 49ers. Yeah, that was a great game. That was a great performance. Uh, yeah, I, I you know. Uh, it was really interesting to be around Millard and Dolman. Um, and I'm really glad Dolman came back the second time because I got to know him a lot better the second time. Uh, yeah, let's I, talk about Sam. I, oh, I, I, I also remember, Jim, one, one, one further Dol- uh, Millard story was during the, during the player strike, I think it was the, I want to say the 87 strike. <laughs> and, and I just remember him up on the hill at, at Winter Park uh, as as the scab players were play, were were practicing, and man, he he was just all over those guys, and kind of all over us in management too, <laughs> screaming at us. And and I thought, hey, that's Keith Millard. He, yeah, passionate, yeah. passionate guy. <laughs> he did not want to be on the wrong side of Keith Millard, no doubt about it. Uh, I want to ask you about Sammy White next, but first, tell us about White Bear Lake Superstore. Yeah, the White Bear Lake Superstore. Buick GMC, and I'm always excited to talk about that great dealership. My longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell, and their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection and with their super friendly premium team. Check out that great website. We always talk about the WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com, and you'll see 0% APR on most GMC and Buick SUV models, including the stylish Encore GX. And check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500 and reserve yours now and explore the GMC Sierra HD. And don't wait. Reserve your all-electric super truck, the Hummer EV. The Wiper Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in Wiper Lake or online at WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law. All you need to know is if you're injured, you're going to need good help. 
good ethical help and someone who will win your case. And the great thing is TSR injury law won't even charge you unless they win your case. And they expect to win your case. Uh, that's how they built their business. They built their business into a uh, just a machine. Uh, we've been up in their new offices. It's just impressive what they've done. And again, it's all their success is built on winning cases for people who need their cases won, people in tough situations. Call 612-TSR-TIME, 612-TSR-TIME. All right, tell, tell me what's going on with Sammy White these days. Well, Sammy White is being inducted this weekend into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And I'm very happy for Sammy, very excited for him and his family. He's a terrific guy, always nice, humble, very talented wide receiver. And Sammy and I joined the Vikings in the same year, 1976, way back then, and made it to the Super Bowl in our rookie seasons, which just so happened, unfortunately, for the Vikings to be the last Super Bowl season for the team. But he he played a lot bigger role than I did back then since I was a, a rookie uh, PR guy, assistant PR director to Merrill Swanson. And, and Sammy was the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year that year as a starting wide receiver alongside Ahmad Rashad, catching passes from Fran Tarkenton. I was kind of funny. I was thinking about the skill position groups and what was the best skill position group of all time for the Vikings. And certainly the current group is up there on the list. When you think about Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith Jr. and, and so forth. And Kirk Cousins, when he's good and he's still a good quarterback, could be very good. And we'll see if, if O'Connell can make him better. But you think about that. When I first joined the team, and you've got a Hall of Fame quarterback in Fran Tarkin, and you've got two great receivers in Sammy White and Ahmad Rashad, Chuck Foreman, a terrific running back in the backfield. And so I, I'd kind of put that skill position group up against any Vikings in history as far as skill position groups. But Sammy White, uh, very happy for him and former second round pick. And kind of an interesting tidbit there's only been three wide receivers in Vikings history to make the Pro Bowl in their first two seasons consecutively. And, and, and those three players are Randy Moss, Justin Jefferson, and Sammy White. So he's in good company there, too. That's great stuff. Excellent. Congratulations to Sammy. Uh, let's yeah. talk about another very talented pass catcher. Rob Gronkowski announces his retirement, leading to two questions. Is he the greatest tight end of all time? And... How soon does he come back? <laughs> well, he, he probably comes back when Brady calls him and says, I need you. <laughs> so, which could be in November or whatever. So I, I'm not, I'm not convinced that he's done. And yeah, he's not quite as, as fast as he used to be, but he's still pretty strong and still a, a very good tight end. Not necessarily at, at the, at the level of, of a, of a Kelsey uh, but but he's still a, a really excellent tight end, and and so I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back. But with Gronk, he may just decide he's had enough, and and he he can do enough things off the field with his personality uh, to get commercials and and get some whatever entertainment shows. So he so he may be done this time. I w I wouldn't be surprised. But uh, is he the greatest tight end of all time? Mm, he's up there on the list, and he is a future Hall of Famer. There have been so many really great tight ends, and you think about guys like John John Mackey going way back with the Colts, and 
and Tony Gonzalez and just lots of great players. He's in the mix. Let's put it that way. I don't know that he's the greatest of all time, but he's, he's definitely in the mix. And another interesting story, Jim, I, I did want to kind of touch base on since we're talking about receivers more or less here, Sammy White, Gronk, I don't know if you noticed the Tyree Kill comments about Patrick Mahomes this week, which were really bizarre and crazy in my mind. And just as background, Tyree Kill, of course, signs his $30 million a year deal with Miami and is traded. And, and all of a sudden, He's taking shots at Patrick Mahomes. I mean, really? <laughs> the quarterback who made him what he is? And he actually made the comment that that he thinks Tua Tagovailoa is a more accurate passer than Mahomes. <laughs> and Mahomes, who, who uh, ha, has been to, what, four straight AFC championship games, won a Super Bowl, terrific player. And, I mean, come on, Tyreek. It, it, I've never been a big fan of his, as you know, and, and in fact, I never would have even drafted him with his domestic violence background, but, but he really comes off as an idiot with these kind of comments about a guy like Mahomes. Oh, no doubt about it. And listen, I, I, there are things I like about too. I was looking up some stats today, and he's a, uh, he was probably the most accurate quarterback in the NFL when he had a clean pocket last year. He's very good in the red zone. He has to prove he can get the ball downfield. That'll, that'll be the fascinating thing is, you know, can Tua throw it far enough that, that he's not underthrowing Tyreek Hill on deep routes? That's what he's going to have to prove. But Tyreek Hill, I mean, for him to play, I, I just can't imagine a more illogical criticism than from Tyreek Hill, who won a championship with Mahomes, who benefited greatly from playing with Mahomes. And, and on top of all that, Mahomes is one of the classiest people in sports. I, I don't get it other than Tyreek Hill's pride. Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's an ego trip thing. It's, it's, he wants to get some attention or whatever, and just it, it's just ridiculous and tarnishes him even more than he's already been tarnished in my mind. I'm going to go back to the tight ends briefly here. I, I will say this. Uh, I think Gronk is probably the best ever if you combine pass catching ability, ability to make difficult catches, ability to stretch the field, can't go over the middle, take hits, block, be a dominant blocker, and contribute to a, a great winning team. He's one of those guys that it's hard to argue against. You know who was great? And there might be an entire generation of NFL fans who know him only as a, a talking head on a bad TV show. Shannon Sharp was a great, great tight end. Yeah, he definitely was. He he was not the blocker that Gronk is, but but he definitely was a very athletic and and stretched the field tight end. And, and yeah, he made a lot of huge plays for John Elway back in the day. No doubt about that. All right, let's bust through a little bit of NFL news here. What do you make of the Daniel Snyder uh, congressional hearings and all the things that are going on with that franchise right now? Yeah, I, I think with, with Snyder refusing to appear at the congressional hearing about the commander's workplace conduct, and then he and claiming he's out of the country on team business and which is uh, certainly he could he could do a Zoom session as as Roger Goodell did with the committee. So he's just he's just ducking it. And, and then they they issue a, a long letter from the from the, that was released today 
from the organization or, or from Snyder, from, from Daniel and Tanya Snyder, his wife, the co-owners to the organization talking about all the great strides they've made and all the, and all the, the, the numbers of uh, the, the 39% of their employees are black and women, second highest in the league. And they're, and, uh, and Ron Rivera talking about the, the culture change since he was hired and Snyder talking about the, the two Snyders talking about that the culture has changed and, and everything through, through the NFL investigation and the recommendations from the league and all this and that the, and some of that may be true, but the hard thing still is you just can't undo the past when the same owner is there. And, and so to me, and Roger Goodell made the statement, I can't, I can't remove Dan Snyder. And that's true. They, they need whatever three quarters of, of the owners to, to approve such a removal of an owner. And I don't think that will ever happen because it sets a bad precedent for the other owners that they don't want to be worried about them, about getting removed themselves. And so that's not going to happen. Uh, the only thing that could ever happen is if Snyder decides I've had enough and I'm going to cash in and sell this team, which would be great news for, um, for the people in, in Washington. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a Dan Snyder fan. And I, I told you the story before about it. I interviewed with him. He never called me back, and and just I, I think he's just not a good guy, and and I think this is part of what is shown by his history and the decisions that he's made, and and his meddling in the organization. And so, I I truly believe that as long as he's there, I, I just don't see the Washington commanders ever being the elite team that they once were. A couple more thoughts here. I want to thank again, White Bear Lake Superstore and TSR Injury Law and our producer, Brian Burdett. If you'd like to advertise with this show or the Viking Update show as camp nears, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at talknorth.com. We continue to grow the network, uh, both in number of shows and in listeners. We appreciate everyone who has listened and helped make the network a success. Uh, did you know Tony Siragusa at all? I had met him during his his analyst years after playing, and I wasn't a big fan of Tony when he was playing because it was during the the my years with the Titans, and we had our big rivalry with the Ravens, and and I, I thought he was a little bit of a cheap shot player on defense. He he take a a few liberties after the whistle, shall we say? especially in piles. Um, so our people in Tennessee were not big fans of, of Tony as a player, but, but as a personality, you could see that, yeah, he was fun loving that, that he was a gregarious guy and, and having, having met him really just once. And he was very pleasant when I, when I talked to him that time. So I, I've got mixed, mixed feelings about him, but certainly sad to, to hear of his passing. That's, that's very sad news for, for his family and certainly send our condolences. No doubt about it. Uh, Marion Barber uh, passes way too early. Uh, they held a memorial for him at uh, Huntington Bank Stadium uh, the other day. Where, where, what do you think just about the fact that uh, it feels like so many NFL players end up 
with some kind of either physical or mental uh, problem after their playing days. Uh, we don't know exactly what happened with Marion, but he, obviously he wasn't uh, he wasn't in a good place. Uh, does the NFL do enough to help its players? I, I think they're trying to do more these days, and, and the NFLPA trying to do more. I think that generation of players did not have that kind of support, unfortunately. And so you, you do see it, too many of these cases. But again, when you think about how many players in the league, whatever, 1,800 players in the league, and there are going to be cases like this, and and it's it's very sad. But I think obviously the vast majority of players are in a good place and taking care of themselves with with, with their mental health, with their physical health. But but the game does take a toll uh, physically and mentally on players. We know that and. It's uh, it's it's difficult, and uh, I see a lot of a lot of friends of mine that are former players that having to have knee reconstructions and shoulder reconstructions and hip replacements and things like that. And and yet, if you ask them, would you do it all over again? Of course, they say yes, absolutely, because loved my, loved being an NFL player, and certainly the financial benefits. Uh, we're good and and pension and all that and and so yeah they do it all over again but it's it's a it's a hard hard life when you get older and and have some of these some of these injury problems that that carry over and 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 can manifest later in life so it, it's hard and I can certainly sympathize with with former players in that regard but as I said they still would do it all over again as would players in almost any sport because when you're an elite athlete you want to take advantage of your opportunities but yeah it, it's tough to see some of these players that pass way too young no doubt about it uh well hey let's let's end the show on uh, a happier note give me a good thought uh next week jeff and i are going to take the week off we'll, uh john chris and i will still do the viking update show to keep things rolling on our Vikings and NFL coverage as the offseason continues. Give me give me a good thought about uh, the Vikings or the NFL or or training camp being around the corner, Jeff. Yeah, I think it's a it's an interesting time of year for for coaches and and they do finally get the time off and Kevin O'Connell mentioned in his last press conference he had not had any time off uh, in a over a year because he went straight from the Super Bowl parade with the Rams to his new head coaching gig with the Vikings and and was looking forward to, to spending his his break time with his wife and three children. And so, yeah, so that's really a good time for for NFL people. And, and I always enjoyed my limited time in the summer to be able to kind of refresh and recharge. And, and, and that, that's a positive. So I, I think in, in that regard, I, I hope that that the players and coaches take some time off. But the other thing is that players cannot afford to get out of shape either. So they, they've still got to be working out. There's too much at stake for them financially and in terms of winning jobs. They It's not like the old days, Jim, when, when we used to have the players come to camp to get into shape. That doesn't happen anymore. Now you got to come to camp in shape. <laughs> so, you, so you make sure you don't pull a hamstring the first week or do something like that. So – yeah, it's, it's vacation time in the NFL, and 
and and we'll we'll take a week off next week which will be nice and summer and nice weather and hopefully not get that heat wave we had but uh those looks like some nice days ahead so that's a positive no doubt about it thanks to jeff of course former vikings general manager former president of the tennessee titans thanks again to brianne and we'll be back first week of july to update you on vikings news heading into free.